This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And don't forget, this weekend, Mother's Day. So whether it comes from breakfast in bed to beautiful bouquets to boxes of sweets and bubbly treats. Yes, I'm rhyming. Zupan's has everything you need to treat your mom like a queen. Uh, best floral department in town, bar none. House-made quiche, wine, chocolate candies, candles, beautiful bath items, and more. Find it today at Zupan's for the mother in your life. And because everybody's interested in what you and I are eating on a particular day. Yeah. So I got some delicious artichokes, and I found that a little melted butter mm-hmm. and the Alfredo sauce that they sell there that they make in-house. Yeah, the Zupan's Alfredo? Yeah, it's really, really awesome. That sounds good. And a lot of things. You put and that I'll, on just some pasta? I do that on pasta as well. Nice. But this time it was just dipping the artichoke leaves in there and then the hearts, and uh, it was really good. So there's that. Also, check out their May wine specials as they celebrate Oregon Wine Month. Uh, you can go to zoopans.com slash events and check out their tasting calendar for a list of both complimentary and seminar-style tastings at their Cellar Z Burnside as well as Lake Grove. And then Two Birds Ice Cream. Check this out. Ice cream and vodka. Created locally in St. Helens, the spirited dessert combines real ice cream and pure vodka for a delicious boozy treat. Don't forget, three locations for you to choose from. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Grove. And always wear, Chris? Zoopants.com. All right, here it is. Time once again, Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus, Portland Food Adventures. And Court Johnson with the Oregon Pacific Wonderland, 1959. Yeah. What does 1959 have to do? Uh, I, I believe when the state was, was Oregon settled in 1859. Does it say 18? It's my eyes. It says 1859. 18. Well, I would have answered it. So you have that nice hat on. You've been yeah. wearing some... Nice hats that I've been referencing lately. Yeah. So this, uh, of course, is the the white man's version of history. I, I, <laughs> I start getting a kick out of this idea that like Oregon didn't exist. I guess technically didn't exist as a state until 1859, but definitely thousands of years of history happening before. Oh yeah, us white folk showed up and said, yeah, "Hey, this is ours." A lot has happened since 1859 oh, yeah. in this state. So yeah. I feel like a lot has happened since I I got here in 2005. Oh when sure, did you get here uh, 2011. So do you consider yourself still a new? I think I feels like I'm still new. I feel like once I get a decade, right, then I can feel. I, I feel. I mean, I've adopted it. Uh, I've adopted it, and since I'm a kind of a pasty white guy, yeah, this is like the perfect environment yeah. for me. That's that refers to your complexion. Complexion, yes, imagine. yes. Um, way, way, way much better than the desert. Set, you know, I grew up in the desert, high desert, like right. getting fried every summer. Yeah, that would be rough. Right. But I considered my, you know, I most people I talk to now, when you ask when you ask when they got here, it's after I got here, it's 2005, and I had the idea in 2003, yeah, to move here. But no, a lot, but a lot has happened. The city's changed, yeah, and uh, well, that if you were going to segue. What we're going to yeah, talk we gonna about do today this? is, oh, no, I got it. Okay, all right. Yeah, last, last week we talked about good and bad segues. I want to see how you do this. I don't know if this is going to be a good one. All right, I'll not, give it a but score. But it's a segue. Okay. Um, so we're talking about 
a lot of history. And so what we're going to focus on today is travel to Italy. And full disclaimer, I Portland Food Adventures and I, Chris Angeles, host trips to Italy with yeah, this, your international trips. Right. With this wonderful woman that I've wanted to have on the podcast for two years, mm-hmm. Austria Ensign. And um, she's been guiding me and so far 20 others that I know of for years before we were doing this. She guided a few other people, too, um, throughout various regions of Italy. And I find out on this podcast, we do this introduction after we do the po- recording. Right. On the podcast, there are plenty of other regions that Austria loves that we haven't traveled to together, talked about doing a trip to or aren't doing a trip to. So I would encourage everybody to come with us because having Austria present her Italy, she's this, you're going to hear, charming woman who grew up in Montana who's adopted Italy, um, having her show you and guide you to restaurants and talk about the cuisine and the history is fantastic. But if you can't come on one of our current scheduled trips to Bologna and Emilia-Romagna and soon to Western Sicily, hang on and stick with us because you're going to want to a few years got to go to all those other places uh, now. And well, at least come one. Right. It's, I'll tell you, and it took me years to get back to Italy. My mom took me when I was 13, and I hadn't been there until a few years ago. Yeah. And uh, I really have enjoyed getting to know most regions, and I understand why it's probably a top travel destination for people in Oregon Mm -hmm. to go enjoy. Uh, But most importantly, I love that we're going to hear the story of this little girl who grew up in Montana in a city, in a town that didn't even have a name and uh, found her way to Italy and, uh, and it permeated her heart. And now she's able to share that with other people. You've given me the uh, cliffs notes of of this a a, a couple of times, but it was great to kind of go a little deeper into how it all, you know, went down and then how, well, I was how your trips get, came about. I was glad to get her story from her mouth because she, when we're out with people yeah. and we're talking, she allows, she has, I tell the story and she yeah. humbly sits by and smiles and drinks wine. And uh, I learned that I, there were a couple of things I had a little wrong and she never corrected me. Oh, okay. So this is, this is the accurate version of the story. There we go. So you can just, just instead of telling everybody, you just say, "Go listen to episode two hundred. This is episode two two hundred. Is it really? Yep. I am selfish in that regard, in that I'm happy to be able to guide people sure. to this episode to hear that story. And there's also a Cliff Notes version that needs to be corrected at PortlandFoodAdventures.com under our Amelia Romagna right. uh, Bologna trip. I'll always put that up, but that'll be corrected. Check that out too, after or during checking out this interview with Ostri and Sonic. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more, with a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupans on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove. And at Zupans.com, eat well, put taste first, love your food. By Ringside Steakhouse. 
Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com today. By Portland Food Adventures. Tempt yourself with an incredible Italian food vacation with Astri Enzyme and a wonderful October journey to Bologna and Emilia-Romagna. It's all at PortlandFoodAdventures.com under the Trips tab. Contact right at the Fork host Chris Angeles for more information and special savings on these PFA food journeys. By Gen Air Quality Appliances at Standard TV and Appliance. Standard TV and Appliance is your source for the best of Gen Air and associated brands, where you can check out the latest technology in appliances like Gen Air's remote access ranges with a host of other cool features for your upgrade or remodel. Gen Air and Standard, both staples in Oregon and Washington kitchens since 1947. And by Portland Knife House. Dedicated to equipping the professional and home cook alike. Offering knife sharpening, repair, sales, and education in Southeast Portland. Owned and operated by former chefs with by far the largest selection of kitchen knives in Portland. With a focus on Japanese knives. See them for yourself at their Southeast Belmont showroom and store. Or at PortlandKnifeHouse.com. This is... uh you know, I've had the fortune over six years to interview some people that I really like and know pretty well. You, I think I know you might, maybe better than anybody else has ever sat in that seat. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> but there may be somebody who chimes in and says, hey. What about me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but that's, that's a function of my memory. So um, at any rate, it's so good to have you here. We've been talking about doing this for a couple of years, and you always wondered why. Yeah. <laughs> It's fun to be here. I hope that after however much, how much time do you have exactly? Uh, It's it's fine. We're fine to go an hour if we end up going an hour. Yeah. So I hope after an hour you can you understand why it was a it was a fun idea. So (laughs) I mean I I think it's a good idea because um, from the research that I have read, the Portland people love to travel. They love to eat. And I think the most popular international destination for Portlanders, other than maybe Canada, (laughs) it would be Italy. So given that I don't know a better English authority uh, on Italy, I thought it would be wonderful to talk about, first of all, I love your story, which we're going to do, talk about the unlikely, the most unlikely Italian authority who grew up in Montana. Norwegian. Norwegian. <laughs> Norwegian Montanan. <laughs> right, Norwegian Montana. And then also some of your stories, because they're great. And you have, um, I hate to, it sound, sounds like you don't care about divulging your age, but you have 25 years of stories in Italy. I've been able to participate in uh, two or three of those years now and enjoy them, and mm-hmm. um, some of the best times I've ever had. So. I love that, to hear that. That being <laughs> said, um, we thought it was a good idea to um, talk a little bit about Italy with relation to food. And, uh, you know, I like to think you're a, um, you might argue, you might argue this point because you, you work for a design firm, nothing to do with really food, but your passion and your hobby and your part-time gig has been guiding people through Italy for a few years. 
um, and you have the basis from which to do that well. So why don't we start? I've been telling your story to our the people who come on our Portland Food Adventures trips. It's on the website in a short narrative form, mm-hmm. and I always like to tell it, and you not, and I always feel like I'm not doing it justice that you're just a humble person and you let me tell the story. So <laughs> You tell it much better than I do. <laughs> no, let's hear you tell it. So let, let's start with, let's just start with you being a little girl in Big Fork. Uh, actually, a step back. I okay. actually uh, didn't grow up in any town. Oh, that's, uh, see, that, that makes sense to me because Big Fork is on a map. You told yeah, me it wasn't on a map. We, okay, we, go we ahead. We weren't on the map. Okay. <laughs> so... Yes, I grew up um, pretty much in the middle of the woods and went to a one-room school. Uh, f- let's see, 12 students total, pretty much half the f- half of the population was, were my siblings. So very unique experience that uh, I didn't quite I didn't quite understand how important that was until after. Right, until and you after didn't realize to, it was unique. No, so I just up, thought everyone is... went to school and, you know, built forts on recess and went down to the river to fish and got to run around as free as can be. And that was my understanding of, you know, school. So And mostly sisters and one brother? One right? brother, four right. girls. Yeah. Four girls. So five okay. of us. So uh, was a, a big bookworm. Um, I re- re- remember distinctly flipping through a National Geographic and seeing, can't really, I wish I could remember what part of Italy or what article it was, but something struck me. And from that day forward, I was the fifth grade, and so from that day forward, I decided that that was what I was doing. I had no, I have no idea where that idea came from, but it was strong enough to direct my path for the next. Well, which is what has changed the rest of my life and other people's lives and other too. people's lives. Yeah, so, so it's a pretty fun, fun effect. So, um, and I don't want to divert too much from that, but do you think if you'd seen an article in Spain at, as a little girl? in fifth grade instead of Italy, you might have gone on a completely different path. Who knows? Who knows? I or, mean, it's, or it's, Zimbabwe or you it's, know. yeah, it's all very possible. It's this, it's a strange thing to try to, you know, wrap my head around and try to understand the whys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, that's what happened. And, uh, I ended up living in Italy for several well, years. There's a little between that. So how, how did you get, you're in fifth grade, so, you want to go to Italy, you're yeah. not automatically in Italy. No, no. So it was a long, <laughs> <laughs> many, many years, a long path of saving money. So uh, one of five kids, the, we all understood that whatever you wanted to was pretty much like, well, figure it out. Uh, so I started saving pennies, literally. Uh, I weeded people's yards. I washed people's windows. I did little art you know, prints to sell. I, you know, picked huckleberries, anything across the board that I could do to start the piggy bank to, to go, to get there. So, uh, I saved for, let's see. Yeah. Up until I was a sophomore and my parents said, okay, well, you've got half the money saved. We will, we will, uh, you can pay us back when you get back from your trip. And by the way, which I see as a big thing because your parents, weren't used to, or your family, I don't know all, you know, the trees of your family, but they weren't used to saying, you know, that it wasn't a concept that we're going to, we're raising this girl to go to Italy no, and leave Montana because your sisters are, for the most part, still there. They are. They've, they've traveled some since, uh, but I definitely was maybe the, more of the oddball, <laughs> the black sheep that, that had this passion, this desire to, to go out and about beyond where 
where I grew up. And uh, and how much yeah, TV so, were you watching then? How much me? How much media exposure did you have to realize there's something outside of this? We're this no-name city in Montana. Well, the interesting thing is, I really didn't know. It was simply this article. We didn't have TV. We had, uh, you know, like the VCR movies once in a while, but we really didn't spend time. We didn't have screen time. We're outside, you know, gardening or running around or hiking. We're always, we were very much in, uh, encouraged to be outside. So I didn't have any of those other, you know, media influences. Um, I had no idea what it meant to take a plane. I had no idea really what I was getting into. <laughs> I was just going with it. And uh, I guess nobody was there to stop me. So I, I made well, it happen. Well, your parents could have, I guess. And <laughs> I they, suppose, they yeah. They encouraged you. So good on them. For yeah, no, they're, they were amazing. For, being, for going along with it. Absolutely. Because I, I had this discussion with my son yesterday about going to Europe when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could be a lark. And so, but because... Trusting a 13, 14, 15-year-old to make decisions. As a parent, you have to... Questionable. <laughs> yeah, you have to question. Yeah, so good I, was, I was 15 when I, when, I, uh, when I got on that plane. And so. you did all the arranging yourself for, through the, for the exchange program? So there was a, um, an exchange program affiliated with my high school, and I contacted them and moved forward in the next steps of where to go and how to make that happen and yeah that's that's a that's a lot of uh self doing things on your own at that age and taking the bull by the horns which i still see in you i think it's 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 one of the one of the many things that our parents um sort of uh encouraged us to do and yeah that's so you got on a plane, you spoke not a word of Italian. Not a word of Italian. This was pre-computers, pre-cell phones. I had a dictionary, you know, kind of a pocketbook dictionary that I carried every single day in my back pocket. Um, I didn't know one word. <laughs> uh, hopped on the plane with this dictionary in my pocket and buckled myself in and kind of lost it. <laughs> I was like thinking, what have I done? Where am I sending myself for almost a year and I know no one, you know, I had, a, I was arranged like with a, a family. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> what, where am I sending myself? <laughs> this is kind of crazy. So by the time I arrived, I was, um, I was definitely pretty culture shocked, not quite sure what to make of things. And, and where and in Italy was this? This was a little town called Vittorio Veneto in the Veneto region, north on the northern, northeastern portion of Italy, mm-hmm. about a 40 miles north of Venice. And yeah, I, I was so determined to learn the language. It took me about three months to, I was absorbing, I was absorbing every day until about three months it clicked. And then I actually could like rattle off sentences and start dreaming in Italian. And so, yeah, determination works. You still dream in Italian, correct? You, sometimes you you speak, your children speak Italian. They do. You speak Italian. I don't, and I try. Well, uh, trying counts for a lot as well. Well, no, I rely heavily <laughs> on Google Translate, and thank God for it's mostly by text. Yeah, because it well, makes it easy. So, um, uh, and tell tell us a little bit about your um, your family, your uh, surrogate family over there in Italy. So, uh, I actually had two different families during my uh, eleven month stay. I still stay in touch with one of the families, and. They they were absolutely they had sent one of their daughters to the states for an, uh, 
an exchange. So it kind of um, uh, took took me on in that vein, and they they allowed me to travel. They took me to travel with them. Food, of course, was a huge part of I mean, any Italian family, but um, this one in particular, I learned. I growing up, my parents we always cooked at home, so I had a pretty strong foundation of um, just you know flavors and seasons and a good sense of how to how to make things. You know, whether it was making up a recipe or following a traditional something that my mom had. So I think the food was a natural, pretty natural. Um, draw for me as well. And uh, did you know when you were going over there, was the food on your mind or was it just it, culture? It really wasn't. Yeah. Uh, it was a nice byproduct. <laughs> yeah, you, that's, at that age, from what you had seen in National Geographic and couldn't look up on the internet. No, so you didn't. I you had, weren't able to supplement that information. I had no idea. Right. But but yes, it was mostly the the draw of the culture and the people and the geography and everything about it seemed fascinating. And I really didn't quite understand until I got there. <laughs> I still to this day maintain that anything would have been, looked fascinating to you. You know, so it just you know, happened to be Italy. Well, it was Italy. That was my first choice. And as a, as an exchange student, you have to put down kind of, you know, option B and C. Oh. So my second option was Norway. So I could have gone to Norway. Right. Could have had a completely different life. Right. To up to date. So, yeah. It'd be fun to see that little, the, the part of the... The application. I know. One, two, three. And at uh, that moment, you just had to come up with something, and that's what it was. But you had you had uh, blood ties to Norway. Yes, so, yeah. Um, so that was the reason. So um, at 15, you had, can you, can you uh, recall some experiences that were ex- particularly, uh, what's the word, uh, maybe an epiphany? Um, I was trying to think of the other. Uh, another word for that, but did you have an epiphany there that, uh, where you said, wow, this is incredible. Let's keep going with this. Well, I, there was some sense of immediately when I, when I arrived, I felt something that made me feel very kind of like something similar to being at home. Didn't quite understand why, even though I couldn't speak one word of the language, something resonated. Uh, I had several pretty unique experiences that kind of um, compounded that that sensation for me. Uh, we, my first trip to Venice, uh, was quite. Uh, it was quite memorable, and then from that day forward, you know, in Italy they have Saturday school, and I took my Saturday school days, and I, <laughs> I, uh, I played hooky, and I went to, to to Venice every Saturday and explored, and you know, intentionally got lost for hours, and then you know. Come lunchtime, I'd pull out my map and kind of figure out where I was. And and that first that first Saturday Saturday that I uh, I ventured there on my own, um, I ended up at this little uh, trattoria. So and I was drawn to the 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 fishermen were all you know lining up at the doors, this tiny little hole in the wall place. And of course, the curiosity, I had to go in and uh, followed all these fishermen in and. The their main dish was this uh, um, black squid ink uh, pasta, and I could not. I, it was it was I'd never seen anything like it. And, and what did you, as moment, a fifteen year old kid were you? Because a lot of people at squid inks say ew. Of course, yeah. Right. I I kind of I was just intrigued. I said right. I have to try this. I've Good. never 
I have no idea what they're eating, but I'm going to order it and see what that's all about. And, you know, we got all the fishermen got, you know, bibs and black squid ink all over their face. And I was, I was like, this is amazing. Whatever it is, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting down and going to be part of this experience. So, and, and there were many of those experiences. And then I understood that that was, it was experiencing, it was those small experiences that gave me that sense of, um, maybe belonging or place, uh, and it was fascinating. So it was so much fun to meet locals, get lost, explore. And I think that um, that was a very distinct first experience. Um, and did you trip. feel comfortable with a bunch of fishermen in Venice? Because I recall I went to Italy with my mom when I was um, 13. Uh-huh. And men were just all over, you know, Italian men. You and I have experienced it going to Italy, Italy. <laughs> right in front of my, right in front of me with me there. Guys are all over. Did, were you, was it a comfortable experience as a 15 year old in a, in a hole in the wall bar with a bunch of fishermen? It was fine, actually. I think there are, you know, uh, uh, certain areas of Italy where it's a little bit, um, uh, it's a little bit more pronounced, but up in the North, I actually felt very comfortable um, they kind of looked at me like, who is this, you know, <laughs> American Norwegian <laughs> in this little hole in the wall trattoria, but I, I felt great. You know, I felt, I, I made friends, was, even though it was like very gestural and, and a lot of, um, sort of sign language, but. It probably helped you in your experience because I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, you might've been a little naive coming from. Montana in a small town. No one told you to be jaded and look out for this guy and you know be careful. Absolutely, right? There was definitely a degree <laughs> of, <laughs> of naivete that that uh, came along with it. But um, yeah, they were. It was it was a uh, it was an amazing year that definitely so, uh, had a ripple effect and, and changed the rest of my life. So you came back, and then how long did it take you to get back to Italy? Because you obviously had it in your heart mm -hmm. at that point. So actually when I came back, I was kind of, um, I was in a transition of course, but I really didn't think, oh, I'm dying to go back to Italy. Really? I was, I started studying art history, um, and created my own program, my own itinerary to go back to Europe and go seek out some architecture, Art Nouveau, uh, certain buildings, certain museums. So I kind of took myself on my own tour, uh, but, and I did come back to visit friends in Italy. So I think at that point it started definitely, you know, growing on me more and I started to miss it more. Uh, but I went back for about uh, three months and, and cruised around Europe. As a teenager in, doing in, the hitchhiking. In search of, of hike, yeah. That kind of trip. Some hitchhiking, did some, you know, um, lots of train rides, uh, but it was art seeking and architecture. So, you know, I, the, um, it, dawns on me that that really had stuck with you and had a real bearing on your foundation for what what you do now, which is showing people design, different yeah. parts of Italy. Mm -hmm. Well, no, the design, oh, yeah. but I, I am particularly impressed because I humbly submit when people ask me questions about buildings and churches that I've been to, that I have perhaps maybe read a little bit about or heard about from you mm -hmm. that I don't, I don't have the I, the recall to be able to say this is this and here's the significance of this. Some of it, of course, mm -hmm. but you have the, you as soon as you walk into a building or an area or a region, you have this tour guide about you, this 
tour guidance about you where you're able to spiel off a lot about something, which is impressive to me, which from a business standpoint, I said, this is the woman I need on my trips because <laughs> I can't answer these questions. And I don't speak Italian. Yeah. So um, I think it's still with you. You know, you seem, it doesn't seem as though you were, like, I don't see you say, I have to go back to the hotel room and study and figure this out. It somehow sticks with you, um, all the culture, and you're able to, with the help sometimes of some, your friends that are ex- that are experts in mm-hmm. the area, mm-hmm. but um, you do really well with that. Well, and thanks, you enjoy yeah. that part of it, right? I, the, I so enjoy that part. The, the history, the culture, connecting with people. I think it's really those connections with friends, farmers, locals, friends of friends. It's, it's kind of, it, uh, I, I guess I thrive on that, um, that connect, connectivity with, with people. And that's how over the years you got to know producers mm-hmm. and people at restaurants and winemakers and, winemakers. and then the beautiful thing is the internet came into pass. So you could, you're good at research into where to, where are the best places are that need to be researched so that you can then present them to other people. Absolutely. That's, think, that's another part of the, the fun <laughs> to be had. Right. Yeah. And you've done that. I've seen on, in short notice when we had last year, we had one leg, one winemaker was sick we couldn't go visit them and we had 17 people where we had to go somewhere and we had two days to figure that out and, yeah. <laughs> and you found a, a spectacular spot so you know it's uh it's i guess <clears throat> multitasking kind of kind of uh gets you ready for something like that let's pause briefly here chris talk about our favorite place to eat in town ringside steakhouse where, as a matter of fact, I just had the opportunity to go last night for a little Sunday night dinner. Mm. Um, so you went there for Easter? Well, I had I went with my girlfriend to a wonderful Easter lunch at her daughter's. Okay. So, uh, but then I was a little hungry. That was right. So that was an early wh- lunch. Why not cap off last Easter? Night I'm sitting with- at home, and I thought, man, soup, uh, ringside. Some of the uh, the onion soup. I had a Jones for their onion soup. Yeah. Which. Is awesome, and it smelled so good. It was worth just going there for the smell, even if I couldn't eat it. Yep, just to smell it. It was great, and um, so I had that and a Caesar salad, which was great, which is nice light meal. No meat at ringside last night, right? But uh, but I did have the opportunity. Um, I met a server I have never met there before, Angelica, mm-hmm. um, beautiful woman who I asked her recommendations on the menu because we you know we've asked Craig, the owner what he suggests right but now it's good to hear what she liked mm-hmm. and so she of course said the bone-in ribeye which right. is the first thing that came to mind for her and that we both love yep. we've ordered that before but something i've never had there the fried shrimp she said it's just the best I've fried had that. shrimp. You, yeah oh i've had that I, I get i in fact i add that on almost every single time i'm there oh it's I so not, good i haven't had it yet yeah. so now but speaking it's also on the happy hour menu yeah. so um i love happy hour you can get the shrimp cocktail for I think it's five seventy five, mm-hmm. and they're beautiful and they're big. And you can also get the fried shrimp for the same same thing. Oh man! At happy hour now, ringside's happy hour is after nine o'clock or earlier in the day on Sundays. Yep. Don't forget they've got the three course supper special every single night, and on Mondays prime time prime rib, three course prime rib dinner for just thirty five bucks. Thirty five bucks. That's ringside steakhouse oh, we're yeah. talking about. It's, that is not. Yeah. That's not the buffet spot down nope. the street. That's nope. ringside. 
prime rib, three courses. So um, that and try the fried shrimp next time you go as well. I'm going to do that. Maybe we'll see each other there. As you should, set up a reservation. You can do that at ringsidesteakhouse.com. Hey, Chris, we'd like to welcome our great sponsor, Gen Air at Standard TV and Appliance. Yeah, it's awesome. They were with us a couple of years ago, but appropriate now, both in their, uh, both started in 1947. And just last year, Gen Air launched a beautiful series of new appliances. They really upgraded everything. They have two lines, Rise and Noir. For you to check out at Standard TV and Appliance. Tell us a little bit about them, Court. Well, both of these lines connect to Wi-Fi so that you can use them using your Amazon Alexa or maybe you've got a Google-assisted enabled device like a Google Home. Connect and control appliances remotely. Like if you want to set the uh, oven before you get home, you can do that. Get real-time notifications. You can contact Gen Air call center through them. And get this, get a recipe from Yumly through the device. More than one. You yeah. can do a few of them. And not only that, you can attach your dishwasher to Amazon and get get lo- dishwasher detergent delivered w- without even thinking about it. Nothing is worse than running out of dishwasher detergent and not, not realizing it, but your dishwasher or your washing machine are going to know this. Absolutely. So both the Noir and Rise line feature irresistible interiors illuminated by cinematic and chef's lighting, which is really cool. you got to see these. Smooth racks and flat tines, an expanse of dark glass. Really easy way for you to check out these lines. You can Google search Gen Air Rise or Gen Air Noir. That's one way to check these out, but there's an even better way to do it. Let's go down to Standard TV and Appliance. They have four locations, mm-hmm. one in Beaverton, two in Portland. The showrooms are beautiful, and you'll be able to see them. Uh, not only in the showrooms, but on the on the showroom floor, and uh, also one in Bend for our millions of listeners out that way. Mm-hmm. So you have told me in the past, and maybe that's changed, but your favorite spot is Ortizia. One, uh, one, of, one them. of them. See, yeah, that's, yeah uh, there's you, many. <laughs> it depends, maybe it was a particular conversation you said. Maybe as you said, you have to go to Ortizia, which we've since done twice. Definitely one of my favorites. And why is that? What is what is it about Ortizia? Let's give people a sense of a few different regions of Italy um, that where they may want to travel someday, and why. So Ortizia, the the island of Sicily, I'd say, uh, feels like a step back in time in certain areas it has a little bit more rustic to it even though um it's kind of a hard to explain um i guess primarily so the cuisine the architecture is stunning it's uh i guess a big part of it for me yeah noto the baroque uh the baroque design is one of my favorites uh hands down so between the architecture and the sea and the food and the culture, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's the combination that, that really pulls me and keeps me coming back. Um, C- Sicily is pretty magical for me. I'd say Tuscany, certain pockets of Tuscany, uh, a little bit kind of towards Lucca, kind of north, uh, the uh, Florence, Lucca, uh, region and into the hills, uh, Venice still has a, a spot a spot in in uh, in my heart. Um, it's really hard to pin down, like you know. Well, I'm gonna maybe I can give Bologna. you top ten. Well, what about <laughs> yeah, Bologna? We're going amazing. to Bologna this year. So Bologna is fantastic. I'm a little sad that it didn't come up in your. Oh your, your well, top it was three. it was in the top five. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's my favorite that you've shown me so far, and oh, I'm glad to I hear think that. that's because of the food and. 
the vibe of the city mm-hmm. seemed well, Florence to me seemed a little Fifth a- like Fifth it, Avenue, yeah, absolutely in New York, and mm-hmm. Bologna seemed more real and more, and more uh, like it wasn't about the tourism. Mm-hmm. So you were there amongst the Bolognes, and um, and I, you know I can't wait to go back, but uh, and, and the porticos, yeah, absolutely. That that piece of architecture is quite unique to to the town. So. Uh, to anywhere to anywhere really yeah so so that i think the the there's a sense of it's, it feels quite down to earth in in contrast to other sort of towns of that size in italy the food is exquisite it's uh, a lot but of simple comfort food simple delicious uh, there's nothing pretentious about any <laughs> any of the dishes that we had there there um it's yeah it's it's family food it's family food so um, and it's most and recognizable it, to more people. Mm-hmm. It's easier to understand. So we have this culture in Portland where, you know, chefs do a wonderful job, but they're seven ingredients beautifully put together on a plate. Yeah. With And they're on one side of the plate. And mm-hmm. there's little dots of this. And that's great for what it is. But when you go to Italy, after living in the Portland culture for so while, and mm-hmm. then you go to Bologna mm-hmm. and you order lasagna or... Uh, Torlini, uh, it's just it's the food that I you know in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Italian food. Mm-hmm. That was fifty percent of dining out was Italian. So for me, that was very comfortable and delicious. I and I think that the simplicity of the ingredients and the and the recipes is um, they've been around for years. Been around for you know that's that's nonna's recipe from how many you know seven generations, five generations back. And I think that's again the inner point of like the amount of ingredients that go into things. You know, I think we we get carried away with oh we've got a pizza and we're going to put seven in, seven toppings that doesn't exist in no Italy. No substitutions. No, no substitutions. You have two <laughs> ingredients: it's mozzarella and then maybe you know one other thing at mat at most. Right. So I think that I think it is the simplicity that that highlights um, those those few ingredients even more. So, and I think there's an Italian vibe. So when they come in, the someone comes and waits on you. There's there's something that's just romantic about it. it, it Bo- mean, Bologna is very charming, right? It's it, it is there is something romantic about that. Um, I think that also that the, the Bologna as a city feels maybe closer to something like Portland, where it feels more like a town. Like you really feel like you you uh, you can connect with you connect with uh, whether it's the server, the waiter. Uh, someone you meet on the street, it's it's got that sense of a small town, which well, is, plus you can, as I did, I was wandering around at night, my first night there, without a map, just wandering, and I come upon University of Bologna, and I smell pot, you know, <laughs> and and I thought, wow, I kind of feel like I'm at home here, <laughs> um, but it was, but the thing about it, the the when you went to a restaurant. There was a genuine passion for the serve, the food that was being served there. It wasn't um, artificial. And if you asked, what should we order, which is a good thing to do, um, they'll tell you. And it's not an art. It's not today. The thing today that the chef, the chef told them they had to go push. Mm-hmm. It's what they genuinely heart feel. You need to have yeah. 
This Mortadella. They will tell you. This, this Mortadella <laughs> and, and some other things. But what were you, So you went back at a later age, mm-hmm. and then you created a life for yourself there, not just experiences or week long. You lived, you lived there. You had a relationship. You got a job. So talk a little bit about that. And um, that had to be another level of falling in love with Italy at that point in time. And then maybe falling out of love with it. A little bit of both. So after the second trip, my kind of European architecture art trip, um, I then came back again when I was 20, 21, and ended up connecting with um, a company that did, you know, culinary sort of more, more cooking related um, experiences in Italy. And I, um, collaborated and 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 actually that was my the beginning of really uh really meeting more of the local artisans outside of Florence and in the in the hill in the hill, hill towns and that moment that brief you know s- sort of a small job turned into be you know six years ish later so uh let's see <laughs> stepped off the train sat down to how to have a cafe and of course I see someone walk by and which turned out to be um, uh, one of the big reasons why I stayed there for so long. And Just this random person, I'm going yeah, to stay here. It's, it, was, uh, it was one of those moments I would have to say maybe, yeah, absolutely as, as, uh, as, as funny as it sounds, it was, it was pretty much love at first sight and I didn't quite believe it, didn't know what to do with it. And, um, yeah, so and that was, was it, one was element. Was it the same for him? Was it like a lightning bolt going through the streets of Florence? It sure was. It was, uh, it was, it was unique. So, so that in addition with, um, staying, I'd really hadn't seen much of Florence and Tuscany since I was 15. So, you know, jump, jump ahead, you know, six years later. And, Which uh, then is a long time. Now it's mm-hmm, right. six years ago. It's like, like that. Yeah, a blink of an eye. <laughs> uh, so I ended up actually uh, living sort of outside in the hills, outside of Florence um, most of the time, and then would take day trips into Florence. But then I think I really did at that point fall in love with Florence, and I I couldn't think of leaving it. It was hard. It was hard to imagine going elsewhere. And what was so. the message back from Montana? At this stage when you said, I'm staying and uh, I want to be here. I mean, of, of course, they encouraged me to do what I followed my passion and do what I, I loved. And so that turned into, so I started out studying at the um, the um, Academia di Belle Arti, which was just behind the Academia where Davide, the famous David, is. Started out studying there, ended up, uh, working in a restaurant, um, following more food at that point. And, um, yeah, so a combination of studying, uh, worked in a, managed um, a restaurant at one point. So I really got, I guess, more immersed in the food aspect of it and ended up traveling as much as I could. And there went six years. And so... And then you ended up coming back to the U.S. And mm-hmm. then it became, 
doing some tours over there? So I came back to the States. We had actually um, invested in a flat. We started restoring that flat. It was actually the the Medici's um, servants' quarters, historically. So Before seven, it came 17th back to century. This, yeah. Right. So this was a, quite a big um, undertaking, which kind of broke everything. Everything kind of dismantled from that point on. <laughs> so I moved back to the States, and I thought, you know, it had been a couple years past, and I started really missing Italy again, and I thought, well, how can I get back there and really be able to, really, I just wanted to share the culture and their passion with anyone that I met um, it was infectious. And so I thought, oh, well, I can just kind of, I'll just start trying to, you know, get a few people to take over there and see see what happens. And uh, so small groups, uh, whether it was in Tuscany or Sicily um, or up north, it really didn't matter where where the location is. It's It's always an incredible experience. And it's just... The way that people light up when they when they get it, when they get that, when you know, when you're with the herb farmer and they really have this, you know, connection with uh, the the culture, ge- the geology, or geography, and that the warmth of the Italian culture is 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 quite um, is I think where it's at for me. So. You know, it's interesting. I have a couple of comments on that. One is every year there's the mylata. Here mm-hmm. and Kathy Wims brings Dario Pacini mm-hmm. back here mm-hmm. to h- help people to understand that culture mm-hmm. and Italy. But I will say, I we you and I went there together. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until we visited his restaurant uh, in the hills there, and you're there immersed in it that you can really understand that. You can have an experience here for a few hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. But you have to go over there. And the other thing that I don't want to forget to talk about was that first moment I had with you um, in Italy. So you and I had met and we were talking about doing these trips for a while, for eight months. And every once in a while I would hear you mention a name or a region or a city. And mm-hmm. you spoke you spoke Italian. The Italian enunciation came out when you said that. So we landed in Catania in the pouring rain, and we checked into our place, and then you took me over to where we were going to go to dinner. So the menu looked beautiful. We sat down and um, ordered, and there was this beautiful Italian couple next to us. You're nodding. You know the story, but everybody else doesn't. But it was this moment for me. And you started getting into a conversation with them because this is what you do. You're talkative. You and I are pretty outgoing social people. So you start talking to them. And then at that moment, I realized I had never heard you speak conversations in Italian. This was the first <laughs> I'd heard of you. And you're, it's beautiful. The language is beautiful. But for some reason, for a particular reason, coming from you, it's even more beautiful to me. Oh. So I... <laughs> So I'm sitting there. I have nothing to add to the conversation, right? I cannot chime in. These people weren't going to understand me anyway. (laughs) 
I have no cell phone coverage, and I have you, these people, and food in front of me. And it was, I think, about seemed like a while, but at forty-five minutes to an hour of I am now being immersed in this <laughs> in Austria's Italy Full right now. Immersion. <laughs> yes, and I hadn't had that because it dawned on me that I'd only hear you speak a few words here and there. You didn't speak sentences, and I had made the feeble attempt at. Uh, a Duolingo to, to learn Italian, and I'm still working on that. On our third year, I'm not there. But, you know, any any attempt is great, and especially when you get to Italy, and I think that's one of the aspects that I love about the culture. Even if you make an attempt and you try and you butcher words, they don't care. They love that you <laughs> are trying, and that's, you, you know, I've already made a connection by doing just that. Well, so. I can't even say that I tried a lot. It's a lot, of, I lean on you as a crutch. Here, she, she'll she tell you. You know, gestures go a long yeah, ways. No, that's, know, what that's, that's, that's what Italians that's, do. <laughs> but then, you know, of course, with you, I developed this, uh, what we call Jerry speak. There's a reason <laughs> for it. And so it's, uh, I can speak Italian, English Italian, and still try, at least make you laugh that works yeah it's a great language <laughs> it works so what are your uh if if someone were thinking about a trip to italy other than ours uh full disclosure you mm-hmm. and i are doing a trip uh october 4th to 12th to bologna emilia romagna we'll ask you to talk a little bit about that because why not mm-hmm. um we're doing that and this will be our third trip with people we've now taken 20 p- people to italy and I dare say that most of them have enjoyed it a lot, mm-hmm. or all of them. A mm-hmm. lot of them are coming back. Yeah. That's right? Good. So, um, And some of them are coming to other places because they came with us to Italy, so that's great. Um, but if someone's thinking about a trip other than that one, um, what would be, you know, for the uninitiated, where would you suggest? I got two questions for you. For the uninitiated, someone who's never been to Italy, where should they start? And secondly, for the person who's probably been there a lot, is there a hidden gem that you would suggest? Mm, there are many hidden gems. Yeah, is there a particular <laughs> hidden gem that you would say, "Oh my God, you're gonna you're gonna stamp this the Austria suggestion for the rest of your life, and I'll get credit for this." <laughs> oh boy, where to start? Um, my top would be probably Luca, which is towards the western coast, uh, in, kind of in between the Liguria and the Tuscan uh, provinces. Um, it is a tiny little town. You can ride a bicycle around the old moat walls, and uh, you actually ride above up above the city so you can look down on it. It's pretty, pretty awesome. I don't know where else in the world you could do that. Uh, There's a restaurant here called Luca. Yeah. Correct? Is there anything like that? Is it that Uh, food from that city? Maybe, maybe a few things. I've never been. We have to go. Yeah. Yeah, I can take you there. Uh, So that's one of my favorites that um, I always... Oh, go ahead. And how far, I could look at a map right now, but how far is that from the Cinque Terre? Yeah, so it's actually on the way to Cinque Terre. It's probably, oh, maybe half an hour max. Oh, so it's somewhere on Pisa. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually not too far from Pisa at all. Okay. So that that little region. So in combination with your favorite and my favorite, that was that's a, a beautiful little area. I just had I'd my say. best meal at Pisa, which had nothing to do with our events. So I just found it out, uh, scoped it out on a Spur of the moment. It's that's so fun to to happen upon those things. That's you know that's that much of a memorable meal that 
it never leaves. <laughs> you so always want to go back. Could you spend a week in Luca, or do you need to go there for a few days and venture out to areas like the Cinque Terre? You could, and, you could absolutely spend a week there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you could even take a day trip to Cinque Terre, you could check out um, Pisa for the for the you know Leaning Tower. You could explore more into the hillsides. You could go to the coast and go. There's a to the beach. Go swimming. What other beaches spend, there other than the Cinque Terre? Uh, so south of there, you have sandy beaches. Cinque Terre is more like cliffside. And rocky uh, beaches. Ge- geology. Yeah, so it's actually um, uh, kind of a white sand beach south of there. Um, that's one of my one of my favorite areas. I love that you. we haven't even discussed that yet for I know. taking us there. <laughs> There's or so many places. People. So that's in the future. Uh-huh. I'm, tr- I'm looking for every opportunity. I kind of lock you down for... Years of going to, <laughs> yeah. so there's a lot of areas that that I'd love to I'd love to take you to, and whoever wants to join. So, so the next area that's that really is, you know, hopefully maybe somebody I would love to even retire. I know this one. I know what's coming. <laughs> it's uh, Puglia. So this is the heel of the boot. Nope, I'm oh, wrong. With you that. were wrong. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say Sardinia. You. Oh well, see, there's it's hard to choose. I'm telling you. Yeah, see, you have <laughs> so. too many. So uh, Matera, which is kind of the arch of the boot, and then Puglia is the heel of the boot, is um, uh, one of the places in the world where you can find secolari, which are, uh, you can't even wrap your arms around uh, some of these olive trees that go back. Secolare means like hundreds and hundreds of years old trees. And so these were, uh, you know, probably planted by the Greeks and they're still producing olives and they're sculptures. They're gorgeous. Such, such pretty to see, so pretty to see in the landscape. And uh, the food, of course, is quite different from, you know, the next 10 kilometers away. It's another dish, but the this food is, is uh, quite particular. Uh, architecture, again, I can't say enough about the whitewashed uh, limestone and the trulli, these little... Um, uh, very particular houses that were built. I don't know. They're not pre. I'm trying to think of the era um, off the top of my head, but uh, very unique to the world. You wouldn't find another another little village like this. So Sardinia is another spot that I keep going back to. Uh, again, I have you know, this is a little bit different because I have friends there. Um, go back to visit them, but um, beautiful sea, gorgeous. Gorgeous people, amazing, warm, just lovely. Um, and the food is always amazing. I have never, ever gone wrong with food. Even at the Autostrada, which is like the freeway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the freeway in Italy. Even at the uh, the freeway truck stop, have, you get an amazing panino. And we did have our best coffee there right. last time. And so. I'm allowing the word amazing. Oh, I don't know if you read the oh, thing. Oh, Only I, because it's it Italy. Slipped, it's say, slipped. You know, if you say I'll it in say, Italian. Incredibile. If you say it in Italian, then you can get <laughs> okay. away with it. That's, that, well, was a good, go. that was a good loophole. <laughs> um, Meraviglioso. How about that? <laughs> yes. Um, and the driving in Italy is a, is a little bit of a challenge. It's, I was very happy when you decided to take, <laughs> take the you seat. said, I'll take the keys to this car because I don't know how I would have survived in Sicily with no stop signs. If I recall, there are no stop signs. So it's Not all really. inching out and taking a look and oh, going and, there, yeah. and then you have no law to back you up. No, no. Or, it's kind of wild, actually. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Driving in Italy is is just that, but Sicily even more. You really there's not many rules to th- that are established, 
and then not many rules that people even abide by. So right. <laughs> it's not as bad as going. And not a lot <laughs> not of as signs extreme either. Extreme as going to like Naples, but yes, Sicily in general. Well, is, or Rome. I cannot. I cannot imagine driving in Rome. Well, Rome is chaotic. I have not driven there myself, but I've been, you know, driven around by friends. But Naples stop signs. You, they're ignored completely. So you have a red so stop sign. You don't, you pay, you pay no attention. You just keep moving. <laughs> it's like, so I haven't, I haven't driven there. I don't know if I have to get some, muster up my courage to drive in Naples. But yeah, Sicily, Sicily was, uh, you got to be quick and move fast. And <laughs> so there are no, no, no real rules. So we'll be driving in Sicily in a um, few months. Mm-hmm. Western Sicily. Western Sicily. Palermo. Mm-hmm. That area. Yeah. What What will I... We've discussed them, but because we're on a podcast and we have mics and a lot of other people listening, mm-hmm. what are some of the uh, the things, the cuisine we'll look forward to that's maybe... Is Western Sicily very different than is Eastern Sicily in terms of cuisine? And then, of course, there are different, very different uh, highlights that we're going to see architecturally and some of the uh, landmarks. Oh, landmarks. So, uh, absolutely. So we have on the, the whole island of Sicily, we'll have different cuisine, different architecture, uh, even different food. All over the, the island has very much of a North African, um, more, uh, you know, it was, it was dominated by, what, 12, 12 cultures in, can't remember how many years, but the Byzantines, the Moors, the Goths, the Greeks, the, the Greeks. I mean, you name it. All of the cultures have crossed over and into Sicily at some point. So it's got a very fascinating mix of um, flavors and those uh, historical influences that you still you still see and taste in the dishes. You know, like mint and these combinations of uh, uh, saffron that you don't quite see or taste. You don't quite see in other parts of on the mainland. So Western Sicily has definitely a different flavor than the East portion. Uh, you have uh, Greek temples, everything from, you know, these, the, the old fish markets in Palermo. Uh, you have these little tiny medieval villages, uh, very, very narrow streets. Just hold on to your britches when we go through <laughs> when I drive you through there because very, very narrow, very steep, quite, you know, quite these little m- micro villages. You, that You we're might be pick. able to sedate me because as I found surprisingly in Eastern Sicily, they sell CBD flour, like marijuana. Oh, they really? Sell there. That's yes. so, what about just a couple glasses of wine? <laughs> well, there's that for the, but I was, I was surprised to find that out. Oh, that, that yeah, I'm, I'm I on Sicily. It's, it was right there. But at any rate, so... So a couple of very unique, uh, architecturally uh, designed, very antique towns on that side. And then you have, um, um, we might even go for a little boat ride to Favignana, some of the little islands uh, off of the coast of uh, into the Tyrrhenian Sea. We have... Uh, of course, wineries to visit and wine to taste. And so, yeah. if you're fur- that, if you're further away from Mount Etna, are the wines as good as they are on the eastern? They're the different. Eastern Sicily? They're different. You don't have that the presence of the volcanic soil that creates that specific flavor profile in the wines that are from the Mount Etna region. Mm-hmm. So we're on the eastern, on the western side. Um, soils are different, more rocky. You've got that, um, you know, 
they're more their thing is more of uh, white wines, um, but it's it's a fascinating. Well, you'll like see that. a very distinct distinct uh, side of the side of the culture. So it's it'll be a great time. Oh, I think so, mm-hmm. and uh, because we sort of mentioned it before. For the uninitiated, you would find not Western Sicily yet, but in a little while, but our Bologna trip, which mm-hmm. we're in which we have room and we have some wonderful couples and a single gentleman. Well, he's not a single gentleman; he's a married gentleman single going traveler. solo. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we have some great people. We'd love you to join us. That would be found on PortlandFoodAdventures dot com. And I'm going to make a blanket statement, which we, Court and I may do in the introduction too, that you've talked about a few places top-lined a few places and how wonderful they may be. And I surely hope this helps people make some decisions as to where they might go in Italy and impacts their trip. Mm -hmm. But I would say if you are interested in any of these places, hang on and come with us and have you show that show people your Italy. So it's, it's Austria and signs Italy. Why don't you explain (laughs) your name a little bit? Because it took me a long time to actually get comfortable with saying you had to point out how I screwed it up a few times. Oh, it's okay. A simple it's... name. So, so your name is spelled Astrid, mm-hmm. as we would say that mm-hmm. normally. And in Italy, people refer to you as Astrid. Astrid, yeah. And here, it's Austri. So I had to get used to. It took me a while because I had my East Coast sensibility to say Astri, and you, you didn't like that. <laughs> And I forgave you. <laughs> no, it's 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 basically Austria leaving off the A. Exactly. So Austria. that's the easiest way to remember. Right. And so, so how did that come about? So so the Italian pronunciation is more on the uh, I guess more I guess the European Latin uh, Romance language way of pronouncing things, and Astrid is. You know whether it's the the Spanish version, the 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 German version, the Portuguese version. That's kind of where it sits. The Norwegian pronunciation, the D is very silent. Mm-hmm. It's Astrid, like like you barely hear it. But um, so the growing up, it's always been a struggle of how to get how to get that straight. So and in I your family, it, it started. You it wasn't Aust- your decision. No, no. Well, so people make that yeah. decision sometimes. So, well, so both parents, um, Norwegian English descent, uh, we all have Norwegian names. So Austria was um, one of their favorites. And you have, if and if you don't, if you'd prefer not to say their names, but your sisters have all interesting names, and your late sister, who you adored, also had an interesting name. Yeah. So, so um, very traditional. Names you want to hit the, hear the rundown? Yeah, I like that. So Signy, Hawken, Austri, Solvay, and Leave, and then you know, the, it's 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 kind of a fun. Growing up, it was not fun to always have to correct people, but it's and, fun. Your, and, and your father's and got a, gen, a basic English American name, mm-hmm. and your mother. I don't know your mother's name. Dave and Linda. Dave and Linda. There you <laughs> yeah. go. So and they decided that's interesting that they did that, and you get back there once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Yearly, you bring your kids. Mm-hmm. Yep, we go at um, least once a year. So, and you have plans to take your sons to Italy soon? Oh, probably next next spring. Oh, that's but. sad because it was going to be this year, wasn't it? Yeah, it didn't work out. It's all right. 
All right, so next spring, It'll which happen. is why which is why we couldn't do the uh, Sicily trip in the spring. There you go. And we're going to do it next year. So mm-hmm. to be clear, if you want to come with Osprey in the near future, and she's not going to invite you to go with her kids. Unless, <laughs> I promise. <laughs> unless you're a really great babysitter for free. Maybe, that would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe that would be workable. But so to be clear, October, this October. Bologna, Emilia, Romagna. Bologna, Emilia, Romagna, that's. Mm-hmm. Is, I always get confused. Is it nine days or ten days? It's, we have, I think, I we think have it's nine, nine days. Nine days. Eight, it's nine days, eight nights. Nine days, eight nights. So, um, yeah, so we have a little taste of Bologna, and then we go out into the countryside, and we have these other experiences. Staying at a uh, castle. Castles and wineries. And, and uh, we're talking about cantinas. going to either the... Um, the Ferrari Museum or Ducati. One of our guests has a connection to Ducati. Right, yeah. So that could be interesting and all sorts of other things. And then we are planning a trip in the fall of 2020 to be right after my Basque, second Basque trip with Javier and JL from Urdaneta. We're planning Western Sicily for, it would be late September, early October 2020. Mm-hmm. So for those who are interested, we'd love to have a pre-sign up. You're welcome to email me and say, I want to go on that trip, and we'll put you on a list so when we have it ready, it's ready to go. Yeah. But we do have room now for uh, Bologna and Emilia Romagna. I'm sorry for being so promotional, but in my heart, I believe that people, I know that people have a good time in these trips, so it's a public service announcement. (laughs) If you have the means and the time and the interest, you should uh, come with us. So I mentioned you have a, a real job as a designer in Portland, Oregon, and you raise two kids, and you've been taking classes to improve yourself, and... You don't have a lot of time to do much else. As a matter of fact, getting you here for an hour in the middle of the day was, we thank you <laughs> dearly for finding it, but it was, it was not a slam dunk that you were going to be able to say yes. A, a few blocks from where you work. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, the time to carve out between two kids and full-time job and, you know, the, this fun part of planning trips to Italy, it's... It, it it's fills fills life up pretty quickly. I so, hope it continues yeah. to be fun for you. I yeah. have a feeling that it's that you really enjoy it because you've yet to say to me, well, I don't know if I can do that. You're you work towards doing it because you have a, a love for Italy and hopefully after a few years you're not too tired of going <laughs> with me and you don't decide <laughs> to do it by yourself. But, as long as you let me know let me drive. <laughs> <laughs> you can drive all day long. Um, but I thank you for coming, and yeah. I, th- I thank you dearly for placing that. Well, it was—I think it was an email a few years ago to say you're doing you're doing trips to Italy, which, by the way, were not going that that well for me. And you came into my life and said I can do that. And after I learned that you weren't Italian and you could actually meet <laughs> yeah. a deadline and be responsible, then we started planning this, and it's been. Uh, Oh, it's been two and a half years since then. and Well, I'm glad you responded to my email. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. And it's been, uh, it's been a delight. And anybody who travels with you always says what it is, uh, always indicates what a delight it has been to be with you. And, oh, uh, that's nice to hear. One of my favorite moments was this last trip. We were in Sicily and we were in La Folia. In Ortigia. I love that I can just reel this stuff off now. Yeah, now five you know years exactly. ago, I knew nothing. <laughs> and... Um, 
And they were, we had a lot of, we had a few people, we had 13 people on that mm-hmm. trip, and yeah. you decided to take over and fr- do some of the front of the house duties, and you were serving and pouring wine and coming in and out. I don't know if you were in and out of the kitchen, but you had dear friendship with the, uh, or you created a dear friendship with the woman who'd owned that restaurant for years. One of my favorite moments was watching you with um, pour wine and enjoy yourself and it was a lot of fun. Nice. So, and it felt like you were in your element. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, it's it's that connection with if I've, you know, whether it's regardless of who it is, I feel like there's some there's already this thread that I feel connected with um with the people there. So. Yeah, there were a lot. I think that, a last question, Guido. Yeah. Um how long have you known him and and tell talk a little just a little bit about that. Okay. Uh, experience. In uh, San Magnato. Mm-hmm. So I actually met Guido. He came here to Portland, and that's how I met him. He oh, he was, did. He's he a Facebook was, friend of mine now. Yeah, he's super. He's super fun. We uh, connected because I was asked to come on to translate. Um, he was doing a butcher demo, so I was asked to translate um, uh, for this purpose. And he actually was connected with. Um, I'm placing. Can't place her name. Um, Camus, Camus Davis. She was doing a, a, a demo as well. So I met him in that in that moment, and we hit it off. And then I ended up visiting him for fun for the first time. And then we actually thought it'd be fun to bring a group of small group of people to his uh, butcher shop and his trattoria, beautiful little veranda that overlooks the valley. Uh, he's become one of my good friends. Uh, so his family, third generation butchers. Uh, his father came over in 1925, I believe, from Argentina. So he has a long history of uh, butcher butchers in the family. And he's quite a character on top of everything. Mm-hmm. And he's quite a skilled uh, squ- uh, skilled butcher. So last uh, the last trip to Tuscany we took was was uh, was a great experience there with uh, with his family in the kitchen. Uh, with his his mother, his father turned up later, but uh, and as a gift fun. for all the people who stuck with this podcast through the end, what's the name of the restaurant? Because the view there, you're not going to get a nicer view from a table at a restaurant than this one. I and, would agree. And so, I would what agree. was that? That was six people, probably max. Yeah. So, Macelleria Falaschi, right? Falaschi, a butchery in San Miniato. And Guido is the son, and he's the one that runs one runs the show. So they have a little trattoria in the back. You walk through the butcher shop, and you open up into this amazing view of the of the valley, where you can see, you know, you can see where all of that that, you, that where he grew up. Actually, the apartment below that is where he was born. Wow! Yeah. And uh, what a beautiful spot. And this is. Near where truffle hunts take place. Truffle hunting, yeah. exactly. So it's a little medieval town atop a, atop a hill and uh, beautiful views, fantastic people. I, I was going to ask Court to actually move that earlier because I thought we were doing our outro and saying uh-huh. goodbye. And then I brought that up. But you know what? I'm gonna, I think that is a good little treat for the people who stuck with it to the end to hear that. Because uh, of all places, if you're going to go one... Spot. If you're going to use that as a focus, we're going to go here and then work around that. That's a good one. San Miniato is a great place San to, to and, settle and for a couple days. And that particular spot yeah. is wonderful. Absolutely. Go Thank you so much for Thank everything. You. And, and 
coming here today as yeah, well. Thanks so, for having me. My pleasure. And you're in a jumpsuit I haven't seen before. Well, you know, it's a lifelong search for yeah. <laughs> for jumpsuits. We, we, found, right? <laughs> we found the perfect jumpsuit spot in Bologna. Uh, right Definitely going back. Staying, and we're going back. <laughs> and, and I just recently offered to any woman who wants to come, and if, if a gentleman wants to fit in something like that, sure, why not? Um, we'll, we'll buy someone a jumpsuit if they sign up for the trip this month in May. You can't so, beat that. There you go. <laughs> uh, thanks. Thank you. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. 